She's a 12-year veteran CSI crime scene investigator from Orange County, Florida Sheriff's Department involved in the horrible Kelly Anthony case, toddler Kelly Anthony, and the Pulse nightclub massacre. She's here to talk about those cases and her new show on Investigation Discovery Channel, ID's gripping new series, Crime Scene Confidential. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. Another reason to like and follow us on Facebook, the mobile Facebook app. You can listen to the podcast there for free. So if you ever miss an episode of Law Enforcement Today Show, it's always on the mobile Facebook app. You know the one on your phone, which is free. It's easy to access the podcast and great articles, much more. By the way, feel free to send me a message. Say hello. If I can help you, let me know. That's on our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Be sure to click like and follow. I'm very thrilled to have a special guest on the phone from the Investigation Discovery Channel, Alina Burrows. She has a new series Crime Scene Confidential. 12 years as a crime scene investigator for Orange County, Florida. That's the Orlando area. Uh, Alina investigated some of the most startling, heinous cases that you and I both know of, from the tragic death of toddler Kaylee Anthony to the Pulse nightclub massacre. Alina, thanks so much for your service, and thanks for being a guest on the show. Very much appreciated. Good morning. Thanks for having me. You're part of the group that really with the exception of Investigation Discovery Channel and maybe BBC, there's really not a lot of good content out there about law enforcement officers. Dispatchers we rarely hear from. And I'll tell you one thing, the crime scene investigators we almost never hear from. Never. And it's one of the hardest jobs in law enforcement. I'll be honest with you, I don't know how you did it. Yeah, uh, crime scene investigators are the men and women behind the curtain. We're kind of the unsung heroes, and to be honest, that's, that was one of my motivations in doing this show. It, there was so much frustration, you know, amongst the troops, you know, when you know, we would come back and, you know, we would do all these horrible cases, you know, exposed to this trauma, you know, day after day, month after month, year after year, and we know burnout is real in law enforcement, no matter what position you're talking about. PTSD is a real thing. You know, we would come back to the office and, you know, you would work these cases and you would you know, you'd turn on the news and you'd see the press conference and it would always be, you know, police solved the case, detectives solved the case. And we would be looking at each other going, come on, man. Yeah. We, we had the DNA. We were the ones in the dumpsters. We were, you know, we were doing this type of work. And, you know, in, in many cases, you know, not to discredit certainly the work that's done by anybody in law enforcement, you know, but the police and the detectives, it, it takes a village for, for sure. We have to deal with, you know, the, the real bothersome groups and stuff, and we don't get a lot of credit for it. And nobody knows that we do it. You know, we kind of come and go in the cover of night. And before the dramatized TV series came out, nobody even knew it was a career. 
I was going to ask you about the dramatized TV series and the impact it has. First, I want to backtrack a little bit. One of the things that always gets my goat is, and and the red ball cases, the big murders, the the ones that grab headlines, because if it bleeds, it leads in the press, is when they have the police chief, commissioner, sheriff, whoever it might be, and some of the admin staff, and maybe one detective, and they're the ones hogging all the camera. They didn't do any of the work, any of the work, and I think they forgot what police work was all about. Some of it, but, you know, in many cases, it's the crime scene investigator that found the DNA or found the fingerprint or found a lead in, in many cases that gave them the direction to start the investigative process for them to find somebody to then go on camera and say, we got the guy, exactly. right? You know, it's definitely a joint effort. I but, don't you, think, know, you never see a CSI on camera. I think the first time I recall seeing CSI on camera was during the Beltway sniper shootings. That was probably the only time I can remember. Yeah, I don't think I've ever, ever seen one. I would have been shocked to have seen a, a crime scene investigator on camera. And you weren't a rookie. You do this for a long time. 12 years in the field doing this kind of work, it's a very long time. I'd say that's equal to three times, so like 36 years in comparison, because you said earlier, there's no break. And what one of the things we had to learn how to do, and it took a lot of practice and a lot of help from people, was when we had homicide scenes to try not to look at the victim as a person. Try not to look at them as a human being. Try to look at them as, as a field of evidence. And I've got a job to do. Protect the crime scene. Get the CSI out there. Get this out there. Get homicide. Whoever it might be. But it's not, it's not easy to do. And I, I'll be honest with you, Alina. No matter how hard I tried and how good I thought I got at it, eventually the cracks began to show. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, when you're in crime scenes, a majority of your calls are, you know, death types of calls. And it's not just homicides for us. It's homicides, it's suicides, it's overdoses, it's infant death. It's, you know, when you're in law enforcement on the whole, you're still getting a break in between because you're going to some, some bar fights and some robberies and some burglaries. So, you know, maybe once a month you go to a death call, but when you're in crime scene, you know, that's, that's probably a good majority of, of what you're doing and what you're exposed to. And the average burnout rate for a crime scene investigator is something like three years. The Holly- who does a job for three years? Yeah. And, and by the way, that's when you first started really getting good at what they do. And then they're leaving. Exactly. Exactly. Which means the community suffers because I, I'm very selfish. I'm self-centered. When I have an emergency, let's say a medical emergency or even a crime. I want the best of the best to show up, and I want them to be on their A game. I don't want someone who's like three years or a rookie coming out there and handling it. I'm not, I'm not, dis, I'm not disparaging rookies. Don't get me wrong, but there's a, a steep learning curve in the law enforcement investigative field. Yeah, everybody has to learn, but if it's your family, if it were my family, I, I want somebody that's been doing it for a while, right? I, I want the seasoned person out there that, that knows what's up. I want to go back to something you said earlier, the, the Hollywood dramatization of crime scene investigation. Has that done, in your opinion, your field any favors? I think it has. And, and here's why, right? There's, there's a silver lining to every class. So the good news is that, you know, when I, when I was growing up, I didn't know crime scene. I didn't know forensic science was an option. And I think now it's gotten a lot of people interested in the true science behind the dramatization. So if somebody, if a little girl, if a little boy somewhere that never even knew forensic science was something that they could grow up and get involved in, if they never knew that, 
Well, now they do. And if it's because of an over-dramatization, then, then fine. But if it gets them interested in the real science behind it, if they go to college, if they pursue forensic science because of it, then fantastic. As long as the expectation is reasonable. Because what the shows have done is they've, you know, right, they've, it's TV. We can make it entertaining, right? Nobody wants to watch a CSI sit at a desk and do six hours of paperwork. So, you know, they combine a lot of things and they put a lot of different roles into the over-dramatization of, of the CSI role on TV. So it's not accurate. But as long as they have a good idea of what they're getting into and they pursue the science behind it, then, then great. So there's pluses and minuses with it. One of the big pluses is people weren't aware of it. One of the big minuses, and here's one of my pet peeves, and I don't watch those shows, I'll be honest with you, because they'll get DNA results or drug toxilab results within 20, 30 minutes. And I'm like, it doesn't work like that. doesn't work like that, no. And every CSI on planet Earth is tired of walking into a restaurant on their lunch break and hearing 15 people raise their hands and go, I didn't do it. They're tired of rolling up onto a scene and somebody looking at their watch and saying, Oh yeah, you got 58 minutes left to solve the crime. Every CSI on planet earth has heard every crime scene joke based on those TV shows. And they've also encountered, you know, getting to a burglary scene and then the victim walking them through the scene and saying, you know, you're going to want to do this and you're going to want to process this because I know, know my because, job. You know, they've watched TV. We are talking yeah. with Alina Burroughs. Uh, she is a crime scene investigator, 12 years experience, and also star of the new ID, gripping new series, Crime Scene Confidential. This is the Law Enforcement Today show. When we return, we're going to talk about two big cases that you are aware of, Kelly Anthony and the Pulse nightclub shooting scene. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Ever miss an episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show? Never fear. You can sign up for our free email newsletter and get access to past podcast episodes. Plus, all subscribers are automatically entered in all future contests. Sign up at letradioshow.com. Scroll down to the sign-up area. That's letradioshow.com. We promise we will never spam you. Sign up at letradioshow.com. Turn a conversation on the Law Enforcement Today show with Alina Burroughs. 12 years as a crime scene investigator for Orange County, Florida, and also star of the Investigation Discovery Channel's gripping new series, Crime Scene Confidential. A couple of the cases that Alina was involved in were the tragic death of toddler Kaylee Anthony and also the Pulse nightclub massacre. We're going to talk about Kaylee Anthony first. I have a rule. I don't talk about suspects, defendants. I don't give their name out. I don't do any of this stuff until they are dead. I don't believe in using this as a platform to give them any notoriety whatsoever. Right, wrong, and different yeah. doesn't matter. The victim's another story. Kaylee Anthony was, was uh, I mean, this is world famous story that happened in Florida. She was a toddler that was found dead. Take us through start to finish your involvement in this. And first off, I agree with you, and that's why I will always refer to this case as the Kaylee Anthony case, because we need to stay victim-centric. That's why we're in this business, is to be the voice for the victim and not give um, any more notoriety to anybody else in this case. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, the first involvement in this case is actually, I was, I was sitting at my desk, I answered a phone call that came in from a detective, and they said, 
Alina, we have a car. We need to tow it to the sheriff's office, to the forensic unit. Uh, it's, a, it's a weird kind of case. And, and backstory is, you know, we had room at the sheriff's office for a few cars, and we would only tow cars to our office if it were a, a major case. And a major case to us was a homicide or an officer-involved shooting. And they said, you know, I said, okay, what's the deal? Is it a homicide, an officer-involved shooting? They said, no, it's a missing persons case. Uh, we don't know what's going on, but there's an odor to the car, and we need you to do a test. We need you to test for the, the presence of decomposition, or in the business, you know, decomp, we call it. And I kind of laughed because there isn't a test for that, right? We have presumptive tests that we can do for blood, for semen, for, you know, kind of standard bodily fluids that we come in contact with uh, in crime scene. There is not one for decomposition, so I said, well, what do, you, what do you mean? Do you want us to do a test for decomp? I said, aside from having crime scene investigators that have smelled decomposition for their entire careers, literally going and smelling the car and saying, yeah, that's, that's decomp or it's not, I, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, I said, let me, let me transfer you to a supervisor because you have to get supervisor approval to bring a car. And so that was literally the agency's first, you know, the forensic unit's first involvement with this case was me answering the phone and, and taking this call about a car with an odor. And little did we know what this was going to turn into, how long that car was going to be in our garage or the uh, nationwide or worldwide event that it was to become. And you're absolutely correct about the, once you smelled a few times, the, the odor of decomposing bodies we dreaded the phone calls, the dispatch calls for investigate the unknown disturbance. Person's not been seen in weeks. You get there. Mm-hmm. It's hot. The windows are closed. There's flies on the inside of the windows and you, you can smell it coming out of the door. As soon as you walk in, it's unmistakable. You know it before you get there, right? I'm an investigator in Florida. Uh, decomposition is heightened in heat. And uh, a lot of the, the cases that I worked with decomposition in Florida, I could smell it when I turned onto the street. Yeah. Right. I didn't even have to get to the house. I smelled it from the street. I've smelled it from the driveway when I pulled up to the house. Like you say, there's the telltale signs, right? You know, we all know you can hear flies bumping into the windows. You see mail stacked up at the front door, or newspapers, or, you know, you, you know the call. You know the right. smell. It is unmistakable. And we used to have a thing where we'd have rookies at the academy. And when I was a sergeant or an acting lieutenant, we would call all the rookies to come up to the bad decomposition scenes because they had to learn how to process these scenes because we handled all of them as a homicide first. It didn't matter what the cause of death was because you can't backtrack. So you handle them as a homicide until proven otherwise. And we had a rule of thumb. And I I don't want to get grotesque, but when... Television doesn't show this. When bodies decompose, they get really, really large. And uh-huh. you just don't want to touch them. And one of the things we would do, Vicks Vapor Rub in the nose. We would do spraying Lysol, cigars, burning coffee in, in a skillet. Nothing ever touched that smell. I mean, you couldn't knock it down. No. And what I told all my trainees who tried to use all those types of things, I said, no, just, you know, my school of thought is suck it up. Suck it up, because if you try to use something to disguise the odor, you're just going to make a really bad connection between whatever that is and the scent of decomp. So you might as well just deal with it, deal with the odor, because then for the rest of your life, whatever it is that you smell, you're going to relate it to decomp. So just just deal with the odor. 
So don't you, even bother with the sprays and the no, Vicks and the everything else. It's a cover up. It's it's like putting perfume on a really bad smelling subject. Doesn't doesn't work. So you had no. the unfortunate task of checking out this car, and in your opinion, was it the smell of decomposing flesh? Absolutely, a hundred percent, no doubt in my mind. There's unmistakable uh, for for the benefit of those who never experienced this. Thank goodness, number one for you. Imagine going on vacation and leaving a, a rump roast in the refrigerator raw, and you come back three weeks later and you open the refrigerator like, oh my goodness, it's like that, but multiplied by a hundred. Uh, it's right. it's unmistakable. So when you realize yeah. that and you let your your, for lack of better words, bosses know, it starts a rolling train of investigation. Correct. Just every investigator in that office. So at the time, we had two squads of six CSIs each and two supervisors per squad, and everybody just walked through. And we just literally said, I'm not telling you anything about the case. Of course, nobody knew at the time. It was just literally a missing person's call, and that's all we knew. Were you you Uh, aware that it involved a young child? We were aware that it was a missing child. So it was, we just took investigators through the garage where we had the car, said this is a missing child. Does this car smell like decomp to you? And uh, without even opening the trunk of the car, you could smell it. And everybody went through the garage and it was unanimous. And everybody said, yeah, yeah, that's decomp. Uh, to the point where we had an investigator who was not at the office. They were out on a call and car was towed in. No, knew absolutely nothing about the case. Walked through the garage to come back to their desk and said spontaneously, who brought the decomp car in? Yeah, because you're not getting rid of that smell for a long time. It, it, no. it permeates everything. And uh, we used to literally carry cans of Lysol in our patrol bags and then spray ourselves afterwards. And that didn't do any good. And the only thing that worked was to wash them, hot water, sometimes a couple times. And still, I mean, the rule of thumb, the joke back in the day, that's different now. But back in the day, we all had mustaches. They'd say, oh, you know, this officer had brownish hair and a mustache. It would get in your mustache, and you couldn't get rid of the smell. You get home, you're like, "Oh, I stink." Now I understand why all these men, female officers, I don't, I don't get because they have a lot of hair, but why all these men are clean shaven and shave their heads. They don't do that anymore, partly because I think it stinks. And scientifically, there's there's a reason why it sticks, and it's because there's actual small particles of the fat in the decomposition fluid, and the fat sticks inside the hair particles, sticks inside your, your nose hair. And that's why even though you wash, you still, when you've been on the scene, you know how you smell and you go, do I smell? Or yeah. is it just because I can still smell it? It's because it's literally stuck in the in the, in the the hair. I got to tell you, Alina, I have a gag reflex, and you're starting to borderline hit it this is the law enforcement <laughs> show we're talking about crime science, scene it's just science we're talking just crime science, scene investigator man. alina burrows star of the investigative discoveries channels gripping new series crime scene confidential when we return we'll talk more about the kaylee anthony case then the pulse nightclub massacre don't go anywhere we'll be right back we're all over social media. Be sure to like and follow our Facebook page, Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. We're on Twitter. Follow us at LET Radio Show Podcast. And on Instagram, look for LET Radio Show Podcast. Of course, don't forget our website, letradioshow.com. One of the most frequent questions we see is where can I find great podcasts? Do you have any suggestions? Yes, we do. So we decided to start our own podcast network on Law Enforcement Today. That's right. You can find top podcasts about law enforcement on our website and our free app. Go to letradioshow.com. 
Click the Be Heard tab, and there you'll find the LET Podcast Network. We'll be adding more podcasts from first responders and more. Again, to find the Law Enforcement Today Podcast Network, go to letradioshow.com and click on the Be Heard in our menu or download our free app today at letradioshow.com. Return conversation with Alina Burroughs, a 12-year veteran of the Orange County, Florida Sheriff's Department, a crime scene investigator, star of the Investigation Discovery Channel's gripping news series, Crime Scene Confidential. Uh, we were talking about the Kaylee Anthony case. We were talking about investigating the smell of decomposition in the car. And your involvement progresses from there, correct? Yes. So as the case begins to progress, uh, I did search warrants on the Anthony residence. And uh, I was at the recovery site when Kaylee was, was located. Um, I was on that recovery site for 11 days. 11 days. How many hours a day? Uh, we got to the recovery site at 7 o'clock in the morning, and then the investigators would, most of us would leave at 5 o'clock, and then some would leave after that because uh, we were trying to think really forward, really advanced, think of any possible way that we could go above and beyond and think of anything else we could do to help find skeletal remains because we're talking about the remains of a toddler, which are very small. They're more toddlers have more bones than adults because they haven't fused yet. And they're very small. And we're talking about a swampy area. If you've ever you know, been to Florida, lived in Florida, the area at one point in time was flooded and the water had receded. Uh, it was covered in grass and vines. And we have animals, scavenger activity. There are all kinds of things that are working against us, heat, humidity, uh, it was through a rainy season. We have hurricane season. So we were dealing with a lot of things that were not in our favor to find a lot of very small skeletal remains. Well, one of the things about uh, bones is that bones will fluoresce under ultraviolet light. So I decided that I would wait until dark and then do a search of that same wooded area with uh, alternate light source to see if we can find any skeletal remains in a different searching capacity. So I stayed until seven o'clock at night so that we could wait for nightfall. So it was usually 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Uh, for about 11 days. And what a lot of people don't realize, we, earlier conversation, we talked about trying to not view the victim as a person that, so you can do your job. I, I always found it much more difficult with children. And one, one of the resounding things even today is I, I can't help but think of initial reactions being on scene. Uh, one case, I won't go into details, uh, is a prostitute was stabbed to death and thrown down a stairwell. I wound up arresting the guy who did it quite by accident. But my first thought was they discarded this person like a piece of garbage, like they threw trash out they didn't care about. It, it, was that a thought for you? It's, it's absolutely a thought, especially when you have a body which is clearly a dump site, right? It's, you know, it, it, not only was this a dump site, she was physically in a trash bag. When you have a body in a dump site in a trash bag, when this is an infant, and like you said, as an investigator, you have to be able to separate your emotions. You have to not think of this as a baby and as a toddler because you have to be able to do your job. And so there was a, a degree of that. You have to turn it off. You have to go to work. You have to, you know, we're here to find evidence. We're here to find and bring her home. 
And then there's the aspect of every night I go home and I turn on the news and there she is. And they have these pictures of her with her big brown eyes and her grandmother singing, you are my sunshine. And this is the case where, now, is this case any different from the other baby deaths and the, the hundreds of homicides that I've worked, the, the literal dozens of infant deaths that I've worked? No, but the rest of the world now knows her name. And they are playing footage over and over and over and over. And it makes it so much harder for me to disconnect. How do I disconnect from my victim when I, every time I go home, I'm hearing her, I'm seeing her. And now the whole world knows her name. The whole world is talking about her every time on the news. I had news helicopters following me home from the crime scene. Helicopters. I'm talking on the phone with my mom, trying to, you know, you have support systems are completely necessary in law enforcement. You have to be able to vent and talk about things to somebody um, about how you're feeling, um, all of these things to keep your mental health, you know, good and strong. And I was literally talking to my mom on the way home from a scene and she said, don't get out of your van. I just saw you pull up to your house. I'm watching the news. Don't get out of your van. You didn't sign up for that part of the job. That was not part of the equation. I had news cameras following me as I was leaving that bumping, physically bumping into my back as I'm carrying evidence. I was blinded by lights. I couldn't even find my crime scene van. I had, uh, when I, when it came to testifying in court, I was getting messages online from people that were saying I was a <laughs> when I was testifying in court. Um, now I had some that were thanking me for what I had done and I was prepared to stand up for my job and what I had done, all of the forensic evidence that I had collected, I, I was I stood by that job. I didn't sign up to have myself physically critiqued. No, I, I, I don't think followed home. Here's, here's, I've been retired now 30 years. I got hurt and retired young in an act of violence. And you know, I'm, I'm a, a civil guy. I'm a nice guy. And I'm fairly open and approachable. However, when people are out of line, I, I don't do not hesitate to to blast them when they do things that are wrong. And I'm, I'm sure you're in a position now where you can do that. But having the television show on Investigation Discovery Channel limits you as well. So I didn't sign up for a lot of things. And when people come up and say stupid things or ask stupid questions or make stupid statements, I let them know you're way out of line. And I'm sure that thought crossed your mind many times. I've learned, I think a lot is I've gotten older and I think a lot of what people's opinions are have way more to say about who they are than they do about who I am. Exactly. I think that's the conclusion I've come to. I have, I have nothing left to prove and people are entitled to their opinions. It doesn't mean they're based in fact and quite often their perspectives aren't based in fact, they're based on what they think. And I, I there's an old saying, I can't remember who said it, but I never argue with stupid people because they just drag you to your level and beat you with years of experience. So I, I just don't do it. But I can tell it, in our conversation that this had a profound effect on you. And I'm talking long-term. The case does, right? The case does. And there are certain cases that I will work and I will never be able to, I think, talk about them and not get emotional about the cases. Um, I signed up for crime scene because I, I, injustice does not sit well with me. I will always feel a need to stand up for people that can't speak for themselves, right? That's why I signed up for crime scene, right? It wasn't the money, I assure you. It was because I want to go to bed at night and think I've done something to change the world. I am one of those people that is just crazy enough to think that I, something I do might be able to change the world. 
I still think that. And I think that Crime Scene Confidential is the way that I can be an even bigger voice for the victim. I agree. Help more people. And that's what I'm so excited about. I agree with you 100%. And I'm so glad ID is doing what they're doing and you're doing it. There are two terms that, you know, were thrown around quite a bit when I was much younger that I do not believe in anymore. Actually, three. One would be closure. The other one's justice. And uh, time heals all wounds. Time does not heal all wounds. I just get more used to certain things. And for families of victims in particular, there's no closure. I I don't care if someone gets found guilty and executed. There's no closure. They just have to learn to live without that that person in their life. And there's no justice. I think you might feel the same way. I do. And I think grief is like waves in the ocean, right? And in the beginning, they come so frequently and so they're so heavy and so big. I think what happens over time is the waves are just lighter and they just are spaced out more. It doesn't mean they stop coming. I appreciate you, your service. And I I really appreciate you talking about the Kaylee Anthony case. There's so much more we could talk about that, but I know it's sensitive. I know it's difficult. And I, I really I got to say this. Thank you so much for for bearing your soul and talking about this. And we return to our conversation with Alina Burroughs, 12 years as a crime scene investigator for Orange County, Florida Sheriff's Department, uh, also star of the investigations coverage's gripping new series, Crime Scene Confidential. We're going to talk about the Pulse nightclub massacre, something I can't imagine. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Missed an episode of Law Enforcement Today? You don't have to anymore because now you can listen to it on Podopolo, the free new app that makes listening anytime, anywhere so easy. Catch up on shows you've missed and chat with John J. Wiley right there too. Download for free on the Apple or Google Play stores. That's Podopolo. And John J. Wiley wants to hear from you inside Podopolo. conversation with Lena Burroughs on the Law Enforcement Today show. Lena is a 12-year veteran of the Orange County Sheriff's Department, is a crime scene investigator. She's also a star of Investigation Discovery Channel's ID's gripping new series, Crime Scene Confidential. Earlier, we talked about her involvement in the toddler Kaylee Anthony case. Now we're going to talk about a, an equally heinous crime that brought worldwide attention, the 2016 Pulse nightclub massacre. Before we get into details of that, i got to say this, and I hear it all the time. I've been on some horrible crime scenes. I've seen blood. I've seen bodies. I've seen things that are unimaginable. I cannot find a way to wrap my head around what happened at Pulse Nightclub. I can't even begin to comprehend how traumatic and bloody that whole thing must have been. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, I... We'll start by saying I was born in Orlando. Orlando is my heart. And I just remember waking up that morning and I got an emergency alert on my phone. And I, my, my first thought being in Florida when you get an emergency alert on your phone is that it's a hurricane. Because that's like the only yeah. thing that we ever get emergency alerts for here. And I just remember thinking, oh, this has to be an accident. I, I just kind of silenced my phone and put it back down. And then I hadn't turned on the news yet. And I started getting people like calling, calling. And I said, what is going on? I finally turned on the news and I saw what happened. And then I got the notification. So I had already retired from Orange County. 
but I'm on the state response team for, uh, it's very similar to DMORT. If you're familiar with the federal DMORT, which is the disaster mortuary operations response team, each state, um, I think each state has one, but Florida definitely has one where if there is a disaster situation, they can call, uh, if the state declares an emergency, they can call this team in, they come in and kind of help with identifying victims and processing the bodies with the medical examiner's office. So that was the team that I was on, the state response team, and I got called in that next day. We had a mobile command post that was set in where families can go and say, this is my loved one. I haven't heard from them. This is what they were wearing. Um, they would report, you know, hair color, what, what they were wearing, tattoos, surgeries, scars, any type of features that we could use to identify. Because what happens in a Pulse nightclub kind of scenario is, you know, obviously when there's shooting, people drop belongings. They, you know, women drop purses. So the things that we would use to identify people are no longer with them. They've run. And uh, so we had a command post set up where the family members could report their loved ones missing. And then we also, on the other side, we have with the medical examiner's office, we have a system where we have a team that is now recording scars, jewelry, and then we try to match, um, you know, match those two things up. And so I was actually at the medical examiner's office and um, not at the crime scene itself, but at the medical examiner's office assisting with um, the autopsy of our 49 victims. That That's personal, up close and personal. Uh, every, every part of your job is up close and personal, but I'll be honest with you, Alina, I, I'm we were supposed to do the whole mortician thing, uh, the, the morgue, the uh, autopsy during our police academy. And for whatever reason, it got canceled. I was like, thank goodness I never had to go through that. I, I, don't, I don't think I ever want to sign up for that, ever. Yeah, and I honestly don't know how I did it. Like, when you look back, I think, you know, anybody that's been in the military or in some sort of battle, like, I, I call it battle mode. You just do what has to be done because it needs to be done. And then you you later think, uh, I'll figure out how to process this later, <laughs> because right now this is what has to happen. Well, you said earlier, it, suck it up. You got a job to do. We, we were told up. that all the time. Look, you want to get emotional? We get emotional, too. Get emotional after your job is done. We, we used to have a saying, suck it up. You're the police. That's how they pronounce it in Baltimore. You're the police. The do police. your job. Yep, that's it. That's it. And honestly, I don't know if that's a, a healthy coping mechanism, right? And we can have a conversation about PTSD and law enforcement. Once you get out, I think you realize the, the unhealthy nature of it while you're in. So I would, as a side note, have a message to anybody that's in law enforcement to really, really do a check um, on your, your coping mechanisms because I didn't realize, because you're so surrounded by it. You're surrounded by the suck it up. That is the culture. And you don't realize until you get out of it that while that's the culture, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's good for you. No. And there's an analogy someone gave me a long time ago that when you, you start a career in law enforcement, in your case, uh, crime scene investigation, you're given a state of the art backpack for that time. And every crime scene you go to, every incident you handle, you're going to throw a pebble in that backpack. And eventually, mm-hmm. it's going to get full. And when it gets full, it's going to break, and it's going to take you down with it. And it could be a little tiny pebble at the end, or it could be a boulder. It doesn't matter. The The backpacks that are issued now have a lot more tools, a lot more state-of-the-art. There's a lot more things people can do. But one of the things that I was taught 
that I wish was available and was practiced is we all go see a dentist once a year. We should, or a, a general practitioner and get a physical, get yourself someone in the psychiatric field, a therapist, a counselor who is well-versed in trauma and go see them once a year. Don't make your department go. Don't let them go. You go on your own as a preventative measure. 100%. And if, if you have any supervisor that makes you feel any kind of way for being a human and having human feelings, that's a problem because we should have human feelings. And I'm pretty sure that that's why people got into law enforcement. We are literally putting our lives on the line and standing and protecting people that we have never met, holding people accountable for their actions against others that we have never met. That's the most human, protective nature, nurturing thing that we can do. How can we not have human feelings about that? Yeah, it's impossible. So it doesn't make sense to have a supervisor say that you should not have human feelings about a very human job. There's a point where my dog skills are much better than my people skills. I'd rather hang out with dogs and cats than people. And I'm not saying I'm antisocial or I isolate. However, during COVID, they say... Go to work, wear a mask, keep your distance, and go home. I'm thinking, this is right up my alley. I, I'm Fine thrilled with me. this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to be around people. Awesome. How are you dealing with the after effects of, are you affected by not wanting to be around people? Yeah. Um, I also am an introvert. And, you know, I, maybe that some of that is the law enforcement thing of, you know, we do build up a, a tad bit of distrust for others after spending, you know, a lot of time seeing the, you know, horrible things that people can do to other people. Uh, but I still do believe deep down that uh, people are good and that people want to help other people. They want to be good. But yeah, there's, um, you know, COVID. I live in Florida, right? So COVID is, terrible here. And uh, because of the show, I want to make sure that I protect, you know, my crew. I, you know, I protect myself and I protect any of the people that we interact with. So I have done the whole work from home, stay at home. And uh, I don't, I don't go out a whole lot. Me either. My wife and I, we stay home all the time. (laughs) We're okay with that. Hey, did you ever think? I'm okay with that. ID has amazing programming. That's exactly what I was getting to. Anything on ID. <laughs> That's exactly what I was getting to. Did you ever see in your life saying, I'm going to go from being a CSI to a television series star on ID channel? No, I don't think I could have predicted that one. Well, now that you're here, I got to tell you, they do a great job with their programming of providing a platform. I've had Joe Kenda on a show. I've had Rod Demery on a show. I've had other people on the show. And you get to see a side of them and hear a side of them you don't see in real life. And it's hard to get this from police, CSI, whoever it might be. I want to applaud you and ID for doing this. And I understand the reason why you want to give a platform for these crime victims. Yes. Where can people find a show? What day is it on? And how can they get in touch with you? So uh, the show, obviously, Crime Scene Confidential, airing on Investigation, Discovery, and Discovery Plus. It premieres on March 8th at 9 Eastern Standard Time, and it's going to be airing Tuesdays at that same time. So they can obviously uh, watch on Investigation Discovery. They can stream on the Discovery Plus service. And they can follow me on Instagram, Alina Burrows, if they want. They can see all the promos and keep up, keep in touch with what's going on on the investigation discovery world through that. 
I'm so excited for people to see the show. It's we, like you said, this is new. This is different. We have never done this before. You have never seen crime through the perspective of a crime scene investigator. And I really hope people get that sense of lifting the tape, going underneath the tape and seeing it from, from a completely different perspective. And, you know, we've heard about, we've heard about crime through police and investigators and detectives, but we haven't heard about it from a crime scene investigator. Alina, thanks so much. I look forward to seeing the show and we got to talk again in the near future. Absolutely. Anytime. Be safe. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today radio show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is a nationally syndicated radio show broadcast on numerous stations once a week and growing. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, please do me a big favor. Tell a friend. I'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. See ya.